We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome on in. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast for Thursday, September 22nd. John McKechnie and Mario Puig hanging out with you here, getting you ready, breaking down every single game on the week three slate. A lot to get to here on this episode. Let's get it rolling. Welcome on in. This is the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast. John McKechnie, Mario Puig, hanging out with you on this Thursday. Uh, Mario, how did week two go for you and, and uh, your various best ball and other uh, fantasy teams? Uh, not good. I had Trey Lance on like a third of my teams and a lot of Matt Ryan. So uh, those teams are just completely dead already. Yeah, I, I can't believe, I mean, obviously the the Lance thing, you, you can't predict that going into the season, but it, it's it's almost worse in a way when you have like a Ryan-esque uh, like lead anchor on your team because you, it's going to be hard to like drop him. He's still going to be playing, you know, provided that he, that he stays healthy, but the performance is just abysmal. I mean, you, you know, they, they go in, they start the season, they tie the Houston Texans as, as like a touchdown favorite. Then they get shut out by Jacksonville. I know that Jacksonville has like a cosmic force against Indianapolis when they play down in Jacksonville, but even still like that, that even yeah, Carson Wentz suck. thought that was bad a dead team. Uh, but yeah, in, in best ball, I don't, I don't know what to do anymore. I mean, I, I guess I'm just, I'm not even going to take quarterbacks ahead of the other anymore. I'm just going to take quarterbacks at ADP in an exactly even split across the board. Cause uh, like a couple of years ago, I had Dak too, when he broke his ankle and it was just like, God, I can't say what I want to say. Um, it is just like, what the hell is the point of all this? Why am I even bothering with this nonsense? So uh, yeah, I'm not going to bother with quarterbacks anymore. Uh, targeting them is pointless. I should just take the hedge fund manager style approach of fantasy football analysis where I don't know who any of the players are. I just look at prices and I take various exposure rates and I don't even learn a thing about football. It's the smart way to play fantasy apparently. So yeah, no, di- diversify baby. In volume, not- anyway, I guess so. I mean, it's like, what the hell? It's, it, one, one guy goes down and it's just like dead. I, ne- I never thought uh, I'd see the day where, where you became business guy, 80s business guy for, from Futurama. But, um, you know, here we are. 
Uh, here's I believe hoping... in Tesla now and uh, <laughs> like the World Economic Forum and things like that. The, yeah, all the good things. Uh, you, you got to. Um, but anywho, let's go ahead and get on into week three. Uh, we kick off Thursday night this evening. Kind of the polar opposite of what we had cooking last week where we had Herbert versus Mahomes on Thursday night and Arrowhead. Well, it's like, difference. oh my God, tonight, tonight's going to be awesome. And uh, and it was. It, it really did deliver last week. That was, a, that was a really fun game. Tonight, we got the Browns. Now it's time to pay, John. We're, it it is. It is. It, they got us hooked, and, and now we're stuck. Now we got Browns, Steelers. Uh, this this line actually, interestingly, ha- has bounced around a good bit over the course of the week. Um, you know, obviously the Steelers are coming off of a pretty tough showing offensively, so that's a couple weeks in a row now in, in which that that's been the case. Um, you know, th- this line moved on Monday. It was Browns minus five, got up to five and a half, and now we're we're settling back in at Browns uh, minus four. So that kind of interesting to 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 track that along i really liked the steelers at, at plus five at plus four i'm a little bit more concerned but but you know if you can catch the the four and a half then uh, i think you're in good shape siding with the steelers but we'll get more into it but i believe um, john uh some places yes. might have three and a half like covers is showing three and a half which yeah would, if those other lines are out there it sounds like it won't be for long yeah uh FanDuel also has has browns uh three and a half so uh to shop around, of course, uh, take a look, see at, at what all is out there. Points bet has, has up to four and a half um, for the Steelers as the time at the time of this recording. But um, I, I guess let, let's start things off on the Steelers side offensively. You know, this is a Browns team that just gave up a lot of points to Joe Flacco. I don't, I don't think that the Steelers are, are it's so weird to say this, but they're not equipped to like attack the Browns the same way that the Jets did where they just went to the air and you know Flacco I obviously I have a, a big soft spot for, for Joe Flacco but it, it is the year 2022 but even still uh, he's gotten by a lot of his career by just kind of chucking it up and seeing what happens and that's pretty much how things unfolded last week that's not really the Mitch Trubisky style however so you know how does this set up for for the Steelers, you know, we we've talked about maybe the this Browns run defense being a little bit suspect, but Najee Harris uh, hasn't been great to start the season. I know he's working through that that foot thing. So, you know, what what are we thinking here? What are we expecting fantasy wise on on the Steelers side here? Well, I think uh, Flacco was playing pretty badly both of these weeks, and he still, like you said, put up huge numbers on the Browns, but. Uh, while at once I think Joe Woods is a bad defensive coordinator, and that was something to do with it. Just as I also think that the Jets' offensive coordinator is good, and that had something to do with it. Matt Canada is just lost. That he's the offensive coordinator for the Steelers. He has no idea what he's doing. Uh, we know from people who have worked with him in other places that people don't particularly like him. So you might see. It's like one thing when you got an abrasive coach and you you feel like you're getting somewhere as a team and like you guys are playing pretty good, especially if you're winning, then you'll kind of put up with anything. But the slog that the Steelers are going through in Canada, getting the results that he is, I think they're just going to be bad all year until they fire him and they might do yeah, bad I, this year. I don't understand why Canada's even there, like how he's gotten to this point because he wasn't a good college offensive coordinator. He, you know, every, anytime that you watch a Matt Canada coached game. The, the broadcast is always like, oh, look at all that 
window dressing pre-snap and it's just like guys running around in the backfield and then the yeah. play goes nowhere it's like i well, love motion why? but uh it, it's not a substitute for everything else that you need to do right and mm-hmm. uh again people who have been around canada say they can't stand the guy so uh it, i wouldn't be surprised if you start seeing some like sideline shouting and stuff like that especially if the steelers get wrecked in this game um I think they will, and I don't mm. get me wrong, I shouldn't just assume I, I should never count out Tomlin and I don't. I just he's dealing with such a bad hand. It it like when it when is it is like the other shoe has to drop eventually, you know? And it's 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 a setting like this, I think windy game, by the way, it's gonna be windy, so it's like Trubisky already is non viable as a passer. It could get worse in this game, and the Steelers don't have the ability I don't think they do anyway, to to run on the Browns enough to offset the increased defensive focus that the Browns might give to the run uh, and get with impunity, you know, because it's like Trubisky's like 5.1 yards per attempt and he's not even completing 60% of his passes. You're better off running the ball uh, than than throwing with Trubisky right now. And yet the Steelers can't even run that well, both because the, the defense can sell out against the run and Harris, the guy wasn't fast to start with, and now he's got a bad foot, and they're just managing it. I hate that. I hate and he's after adding like fifteen pounds of mass, gets a foot injury, and they just manage it. Doesn't sound good to me. Um, I think that the Steelers' run defense is still probably busted. I don't know if they have. They have I guess they haven't really been lit up for it yet, but I think they do get lit up for it here. And uh, yeah, the the Browns can hide true. Uh, sorry, the Browns can hide uh, Brissett, but I don't think the Steelers can hide Trubisky especially if the Browns can run the ball, which I, I don't know why they wouldn't be able to. Uh, the Steelers' defense just isn't much either when you don't have T.J. Watt out there. Like When they have T.J. Watt and Hayward and uh, Fitzpatrick, they can kind of do that stars and sc- – you can do like that NBA superstar scrubs approach. But it's like if one of the stars goes down and you don't have any depth, your whole theory is gone just with that. And I think that's where the Steelers are. Oh, but it, but I thought Alex Highsmith was just going to be able to do exactly what Watt He's does. He's pretty good. But yeah, he is good. Like they, he is they good. They got so addicted, you know, dependent on Watt and Hayward and Fitzpatrick doing things that are just like borderline impossible. So it's like you try to replace one of those guys with even a good player, and it's still not even good, not nearly good enough. No, it's so. I mean, we're we're looking at what what's expected to be an ugly game tonight again. Again, the Browns, you know, somewhere between three and a half, four and a half point favorites. The over under has. Uh, plummeted not not totally surprisingly from 40 and a half down to 38 um so we're we're not really expecting a points of palooza uh this evening do you do you have a pick on this game yeah i'll say cleveland like i don't know um 24 to 13 24 13 okay all right so we get we got cleveland and we got the under uh looking good all right let's move on over uh, to Sunday, cleanse the palate a little bit, although I, I'm not expecting this game to be a, a, a work of art either. We got the Patriots hosting the Ravens, the Patriots. Uh, this is their first uh, home game of the season. They are three-point underdogs um, at home going up against the Ravens. Lamar Jackson looked to be a little bit limited uh, in, in practice on Wednesday, had the sleeve on his arm. Uh, obviously, Baltimore not been able to run the ball whatsoever uh, this year w- without – J.K. Dobbins, still not sure if he's going to be ready to go this week. So I, you kind of just have to expect that the Ravens, once again, won't be able to, to run the ball. That obviously was a problem for them in, in uh, salting away the game a week ago against uh, Miami, where they go into the fourth quarter with, with a 21-point lead. The, the Ravens of your 
would probably just kind of put, you know, put the chokehold on and run the clock out. But obviously not not the case uh, th- this past week in the Ravens secondary. Uh, I, I think it's it's got some talent. But it's obviously not playing well, not playing cohesively. I don't know if Mac Jones can really make them pay for it the way that Tua, Tyreek Hill, and and Jalen Waddle did this past week. But at the same time, I think that the secondary problems for the Ravens are exacerbated by the fact that the Ravens don't have a pass rush. They they have like all of two outside linebackers on the roster: Owe and and Justin Houston. Stephen Means got hurt. I think he's on IR. So they just don't have push up front. So that that gives any quarterback uh, a lot of time to sit back and throw. And, you know, I don't think a whole lot of Mac Jones, but I think in this case, he's going to be at least comfortable and, and able to to sit back and distribute the ball here in this matchup. Yeah, uh, definitely with you on the Ravens pass rush. The one thing, I mean, it's, I doubt it's going to change the pass rush specifically, but it might change something. Looks like Travis Jones might be able to make his debut. And he's one of those guys who had really poor results in college and his production wasn't that great because the rest of the team around him was just a joke. Uh, He's one of the most athletic defensive linemen to come out in several years. The bigger linemen, especially, he's one of the most athletic. Uh, He's like 6'4", 320, and uh, runs and jumps like he's much smaller than that. So he could be pretty interesting. Hope It looks like the Ravens' secondary might be a little more healthy this week than last. So I don't think that uh, open net is quite there for Mac Jones like it was for Tua last week. And, uh, you know, it, the Ravens are still shorthanded. So this is a better spot than it could have been for Mac Jones. But, like, I don't know. The Patriots' offense kind of sucks, too. Yeah. And, uh, I think guys like Marcus Peters and maybe even Brandon Stevens can match up pretty good with Devontae Parker. I, I just don't get worried about guys like Myers. Aguilar made a big play last week. Generally, that means he's done for the year. Not not injured, <laughs> but like he's he's like, I've done my That's job. It. Time to look forward to uh, when I get cut this offseason. Get a big payday. Um, <laughs> but uh, I just think... Uh, I don't know. I have trouble imagining what the Patriots can do right. And it seems like they can't either. It's like they're trying to figure out, like they're trying to remember what idea they meant to come into this with because they're just kind of flailing. And uh, I don't think Jones is very good. I don't think the supporting cast around him is that good. So I can't see them outplaying their circumstances on the basis of talent. So um, if the Ravens can't take care of the Patriots, then they're not going to compete this year is how I see it. Um, the Patriots are not a very imposing team in any respect. Uh, I still hate what Greg Roman is doing with that off. Like the mere fact that they are giving playing time to Demarcus Robinson shows that Greg Roman still doesn't know how anything works. And it, that makes sense. I mean, he's an old coach. Why would he get better at this? Duvernay gets, gets dinged up last week though. Yeah, but they were playing. I'm sorry. Demarcus Robinson cannot outplay Tylon Wallace or, uh, uh, Jaleel, it was, it was that New Mexico, whoever, any receiver that has been on the Ravens, uh, the Bailey Gaither or whatever, like all of oh, them. He gone, the, he gone. I think I know, uh, he's, get... it, he's better than Demarcus Robinson. Uh, <laughs> so that they're doing that. I mean, it's, it's preposterous to imagine Demarcus Robinson producing at Oklahoma state, like Tylon Wallace did, you know, uh, Greg Roman just guesses and sometimes he's less wrong than other times, but he never has any idea what he's doing. And Belichick is kind of toast. His days are just about done, obviously. But 
he can still outsmart. He can he can still run laps around the schemes of a play of a guy like Roman. So uh, I'm I'm concerned for the Ravens as I am in any setting. But uh, yeah, Lamar's health I guess is the main thing. If if his elbow is screwed up, it could go wrong for the Ravens there. Yeah, no, it absolutely could. So we'll have to you know keep an eye on on his practice participation levels over these next couple of days as we get into Sunday. But yeah, the, the wrote about it in my column this week that this game kind of boils down to, you know, you get strength on strength in, in the sense of uh, the Ravens offense versus Patriots defense, and then weakness on weakness with the, the Patriots offense versus the Ravens defense. And it, and it boils down to whose weakness is indeed weaker. And I, I kind of feel like it, it's the Ravens right now. I think that the, just the bad defense is going to be, kind of their undoing even if the even if the offense shows up I think they're going to be able to keep the Patriots in the game with some bad defensive breakdowns so I like the Patriots in in this one to at least no cover if Duvernay's out too that's a huge loss for the Greg Roman doesn't seem to get it but Duvernay is one of their best players and if he's not out there they they, they have Bateman and Andrews and Lamar with a bad elbow against the world basically um also I mean what, where are you with, with Bateman right now? I mean, he's he's been pretty incredible that thus far these these first couple of weeks. Um, yeah, I mean, he's been good. Uh, target volume would ideally go up, but the Ravens weirdly haven't run many plays. They they've just kind of like Duvernay's their second leading receiver in snaps, and he's played like twenty seven snaps a game. Like normally, mm-hmm. you're well over forty for that role. Uh, but part of it is, like I said, they just haven't run many plays in general. So even Bateman's snap count is dragged down and thus the target counts. Um, I kind of doubt the big plays will keep being there quite to that extent. Sure. I, I, I kind of imagine Bateman being more like a, I don't know, uh, more volume, less explosiveness than what they've shown so far. So I, I still kind of expect that. But uh, he's, he's good. There was always every reason to think he was good. He'd never... Uh, never failed at a previous stop has uh, at worst average ish, slightly above average athleticism. So uh, guys with this profile rarely fail in general, and especially not when they have quarterbacks who win MVP when they're 23 years old. Yeah, no, that, that's good point there. Um, and then, you know, as you mentioned there, big plays unlikely to be totally sustainable. Um we we see his a dot right now checking in at sixteen point three, so that they obviously are sending him w- way down the field. Yeah, that's um, going to drop by like six before the year is over. Oh, dang it! Uh, not oh. not because it's bad. It just means like it, because they'll be get there will be you know a, a seven catch eighty five yard game. You know maybe mm-hmm. this week for all I know. Could be, could be. All right, before we move on, uh, Mitch has a question. Sit one of the following. DJ Moore going up against the Saints. DK Metcalf against the Falcons. Drake London on the other side of that game. Or Garrett Wilson. That's a tough one. Uh, yeah. Huh. Um, sorry, I'm trying to think it through a bit. I mean, with with Wilson, like, I guess... I said Wilson, but I know no one wants to hear that. Right. You know, he, he's someone that, you know, if he was out there uh, on waiver wires in, in 10 team leagues this week, like he was scooped up across the board, you know, Metcalf, I think it comes down to like him or him or Metcalf because DJ Moore, I'm, I'm starting in London, I think is, is starting to break out. Um, so we actually have Metcalf at 27 and Wilson at 30 this week on, on our uh, weekly rankings. So it's I mean, that's 
you know, splitting hairs, London at 26, actually. So th- between those three, uh, I think, is where, where it boils down. Yeah, for me, it's between London and Wilson, actually. And I'd, I'd stick with London, but I'd, I mean, I don't even I don't feel strongly about it or anything. OK. All right. So we're we're, we're both uh, Wilson sitters uh, among that that quartet. We hate him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Someone's going to clip um, it. It's, it's known. You, you yeah. said he sucks. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, before we get on over to our next game, we got a quick message from our friends over at Blue Wire. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, let's keep it rolling onto this Sunday slate. Uh, we got the aforementioned Indianapolis Colts facing the Kansas City Chiefs. This line bounced around a little bit. It, I think it got as high as Chiefs mi- minus seven earlier this week. It's back down to, to five and a half. Are there any injuries there on the on the Chiefs that that might be influencing that, or or is that just kind of well, the, the public McDuffie feeling? McDuffie isn't that... new, but McDuffie's on IR. Uh, let me. But five, to, um, I don't know, five and a half, 
Like, I, I feel like it, I like the Chiefs in that one. Like, when it was seven, I was on Indianapolis just because, you know, the, the magic number of seven. But, uh, you know, five and a half, I feel like the Chiefs probably have that. So Covers is showing 77% of the volume of bets on the Chiefs, and yet that line has dropped uh, from six and a half to five and a half. So uh, the Monopoly man has bet on the Colts, it appears, and uh, I guess he may have gotten his money through other less wholesome means, but we we have to assume he knows how to bet. And uh, I I guess it's got to be Taylor. It's like the assumption that the Colts – cover is just that they give Taylor the ball 30 times and he runs for like 180, 200 yards. Uh, and with great luck, in addition to that, they managed to uh, keep it under uh, a touchdown uh, a spread at the end of the game. I don't, I think, I think you take the Chiefs still. I mean, it's, it's tough to tell by general analysis how bad things are with the Colts right now, but they are, it's a ship that is both sinking and on fire. Like it's, it's not like they got a few leaks here and there and, or some, some problem over there that they can deal with one by one. Uh, They're already at the phase where you're going to see guys trying to jump ship and throw other people in the organization down to, to get ahead. So uh, one problem that the Colts have that might not pick up so obviously from afar is that Gus Bradley, uh, like they'd they'd be better off just taking the 11 starters on the Colts defense and telling them figure something out like Gus Bradley's scheme is not a scheme at all really like he could tell he just runs the same thing every play Jalen Ramsey said this like three years ago or whenever four years ago whenever it was that they were on that he had to deal with Gus Bradley come out to the media just like we've been running the same play every single play for like all year like we, we we they know what our coverages are and it's odd because Matt Aberflus did plenty of like cover three type stuff, but he did more varied like hybrid versions of it, you know, mixing cover two and whatever else. Bradley just calls a, a, a cover three every single play. And he always tips off before the snap, which safety is doing which part of the field and to defenses. It's just like, you know, it's like picking like <laughs> grown vegetables off a of stock or something. It's just like, I'll take that and that. Yeah, this looks pretty good. Um, there's no actual defense that the Colts have. And I can imagine uh, the Monopoly man who's betting on the Colts might be looking at like, well, here's what happens in their past splits after, you know, when they when they lose two games, they tend to do this in the third. Like This team is insolvent. It is going to completely fall apart. Frank Reich is going to get fired. And before he does, Chris Ballard is going to go to any media person who will allow him to speak off the record and tell them what a bad job Frank Reich is doing and how he tried to stop Frank from – Hiring Gus Bradley, but he just uh, gave him Matt Ryan. Yeah, uh, I didn't even want I wanted to keep Carson Wentz and Reich bullied me into trading him. (laughs) Uh, Or maybe he'll say like Jim Irsay made him or something. I don't know. But Chris Ballard is going to start putting everybody else under the bus. And uh, Gus Bradley, in the meantime, is not fielding a defense. So whatever people thought about the Colts defense, it's like it doesn't apply. Pat Mahomes is going to kill them in this game. And I love Jonathan Taylor. But I don't think 200 yards and three touchdowns from Taylor gets them to cover that spread. No, I, I really don't either. So um, I, I, I like Kansas City in, in this spot. I, I don't like using road teams in Survivor. But, yeah, I think you kind of have to consider them uh, this week, especially with, with like very few kind of heavy favorites going on. And, you know, one of the heavier favorites, we'll, we'll get to it uh, with, with Los Angeles. Uh, facing Jacksonville, it's like, oh, well, 
you know, is a busted Justin Herbert, something that you want to, you know, risk uh, in Survivor, even though they're going to be extra rest. Yeah. Like our our model can't predict uh, when Staley makes a guy play a hurry up snap, even though he's like having an asthma attack or whatever. And sometimes games hinge on those little things. Just a little bit. Um, so yeah, that this one I feel like the the Chiefs should be in business. Um, I was talking to to Jim Coventry the other day. Uh, what just one last uh, facet on on this game? You know, we we were so impressed by the Chiefs' offensive performance in Week One, but then again, you know that that was the Cardinals doing the things that everyone knows you're not supposed to do against the Chiefs, and the Chargers obviously slowed them down a little bit more last week so anywhere between those two performances what what are you expecting uh from from this chiefs offense i I think i have an idea based on what we were just saying about about uh gus bradley but please right um i'm going to say right now the way the chiefs lose uh the first game of the year will come down to the fact that they are wasting 25 30 snaps a game on jarek mckinnon they're playing 10 on 11 20 35 snaps a game by choice and that will be something that cost them at some point. It hasn't cost them yet because Staley intervened, uh, like uh, d- just intervened and tilted the game to the Chiefs through his uh, poor coaching. Uh, they they should have lost that game because McKinnon played a bunch of snaps, got them nothing for it. Just like he got barely a yard per snap from scrimmage last year on his 160 snaps or whatever. Like you can't actually survive over a long sample with those kinds of returns from one of your 11 reps on the field. You have to get yardage from scrimmage from that position and you can't do it over a sustained sample. So they will eventually lose because of that. And specifically they will lose because they didn't run the ball enough with Pacheco and even Clyde Edwards Hilaire. They'll give snaps to McKinnon waste reps that they didn't actually have the margin to afford. And that's what will, that's how it'll go. This game, I don't think they can do it. I don't, I don't think the Chiefs can blow it if they try too hardly. I mean, the, the Colts have nothing. No one wants to be there. They have no talent. And the coaches are all looking to uh, throw each other down so they can outrun the Bear. And it's, <laughs> it's just going to be a mess. They're not a real team. Yep. It's, I mean, it's looking about as bleak as you could, could expect, especially for a team that, you know, if we were talking two weeks ago, was would there have been like a more cakewalk division to win than the AFC South for Indianapolis? And, and obviously that, that just simply isn't the case. And the Colts you know, were the schedule that uh, we thought that they had. Sorry. Dennis green. Um, <laughs> uh, all right. All right. Enough on that game. We'll, we'll uh, move on before that. Uh, we've got a message from our friends over at bro throw. Have you ever bet on sports with your buddies? Brothrow is the only sports betting platform that lets you bet directly with your friends. And Brothrow doesn't take a cut of every bet. No fees, no juice, no middleman. Brothrow is not a sports book. You bet on sports directly against other users with no juice or VIG, which saves you a ton of money over time. Betting $11 to win $10 stinks. With Brothrow, you bet $10 to win $10. Brothrow offers a hassle-free Sign up process that lets you get in on the action in seconds. And you don't have to deposit money on Brothrow either. Instead, you pay other bettors directly. Throw out your first bet and go to brothrow.com slash R-O-T-O and use code ROTO. Brothrow is free to sign up. Cut out the middleman and start betting on Brothrow. That's brothrow.com. 
brothrow.com slash roto. That's brothrow.com slash R-O-T-O. We also got a message from our friends over at Vivid Seats. Hey, football fans, get your jerseys on and your tailgate snacks ready. That's right. NFL season is back, and so is your chance to score tickets with Vivid Seats. Download the Vivid Seats app or visit vividseats.com to see your team's schedule, compare tickets, and secure your spot in the stands. As the only ticketing company with a reward program, Vivid Seats is the winning app for NFL fans like you. Earn credit when you buy 10 tickets, then cash it in to catch more games all season long. With tickets from Vivid Seats, you'll go from watching the game to being a part of it. Go to vividseats.com or find us in the App Store to browse unbeatable seats. We'll see you in the stadium. I actually used Vivid Seats last week to go to a Braves game down here in, in Atlanta. Just, I, for whatever reason, I've seen the Braves play the Phillies like eight times this season. It's it's I love going to Braves games, but uh, I'd like to see a, a different opponent. But uh, either way, one every time. I believe so. I don't. I don't think that the Braves have have lost to the Phillies with, with me in the well, house. But I, if you if you don't go to the next Phillies Braves game and they lose it, we 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 have isolated the variable at, at that fault. point. And you know, I don't I don't want to mess it up for for uh, my, my Braves friend friends uh down here especially with my orioles now uh kind of officially dead in the water thanks to the freaking detroit tigers anywho uh we'll we'll, we'll keep it rolling here uh so, sorry to uh digress off of that um let's see here coming up next or let's see if we got a couple of of questions to get to um monir uh got offered an interesting trade here got offered zeke antonio gibson and Cortland sutton in exchange for Terry McLaurin and, and Terry Austin. McLaurin for Eckler. And Terry uh, McLaurin. All that for Eckler. Hmm. Um, man. Well, I wouldn't mistake any of them for being as valuable as Eckler. That is a lot to get, like up to four starters for a guy who you are selling low on Eckler, but it's like you're getting a price as if you're selling not low on him. Uh, this was right. This was a small and, league, and and would have to uh, drop some players. Okay, but so this sounds this sounds like a smaller league. I don't know if I would do that then, because the, the bigger the league, the more the depth might matter. But if you're in like an eight team, ten team league, and dropping Juju sounds almost more like eight. Uh, in that frame, guys like Zeke aren't that useful. So, good point. All right, so so stand pat. Uh, it in that. Uh, in that particular scenario. Uh, appreciate the question there. Uh, let's get on over Saints Panthers. Uh, Panthers, three-point dogs at home. Baker Mayfield, obviously not looking great thus far. Their own two. They, they lost to the Giants this past week. The Saints, um, a lot of turnovers in that loss to Tampa Bay. Traditionally, that's been a game that, that they're able to beat Tampa Bay when they're in New Orleans over the last few years, but obviously didn't happen. That that game was, was weird. It was a total rock fight for like the first uh, three quarters, and then uh, Bucks were able to pull away in that one. Now we got the Saints on the road. Around this time last year, I believe the Saints were road favorites against the Panthers, and the Panthers crushed them. But at the same time, we we were kind of mistakenly thinking maybe the Panthers uh, were turning a quarter and, and Sam Darnold wasn't completely uh, off the NFL radar at, at that time. Uh, things are obviously different. This time around, but you know, what are your thoughts on, on this particular matchup? Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Well, Jameis Winston playing with uh, fifteen broken backbones or whatever isn't quite what I want to hear. 
but the Jameis the Jameis clip after week one was is like one of the great things I've I've heard in quite some time. Where it's just like, what well, what'd you go in the injury tent for? Pain, pain all over. Yeah, he wasn't lying. Apparently, um, that that sounds bad, and I don't I don't know what exactly the Saints think they're gonna do about that over the course of the year. But uh, Panthers are not a real team. Like they just they're a joke, and uh, I was of course not really all that sympathetic to Baker Mayfield in recent times, but I also would say him playing badly through two weeks isn't even his fault. Like they, they have a bad offensive line. That one was obvious. Uh, he's limited of course. So it's, it's just not fair to expect him to like lift a tide, especially when you're talking about such a wreckage of a team. So I think, I think it's just kind of what they are. Uh, Matt rule, of course, not helping anything. Uh, it's, it's just a circus. So uh, the Saints are a vaguely uh, foundationally sound team. So I think if only on that basis they win. But also I think they have a huge talent advantage too. Do you think that they win by more than a field goal though? Yeah. Okay. All right. Fair Not enough. because it's pretty, but you know. And then uh, two uh, fantasy notes to touch on. So obviously Chris Olave. I'm listening. Uh, I'll be right back though. Yes. Um, Chris Olave had a ton of air yardage th- this past week, uh, ran a ton of routes, five catches for, for 80 yards on, on 13 targets. Um, your thoughts on, on whether not, not that type of uh, stat line is sustainable, but you know, when, when it comes to Olave, are we going to start to see kind of like his, his big week, his, his breakout uh, coming in the near future? And then, you know, what do you make of, of Alvin Kamara right now? Well, I used to really like Olave for Rookie of the Year, but I, I wouldn't have ever considered that if I knew about the broken back situation with, with Jameis popping up. So I don't know how they make anything consistently out of Olave, especially with Thomas as the clear number one. But I definitely believe in Olave. Definitely think he can beat most NFL corners right now. If the quarterback's looking for him and if the quarterback can make the throw, definitely think Olave can pop up, but uh, it's it's a little tough to like imagine specifically. I guess it's 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 like we need some more questions answered before we can really foresee the specifics with that. Um, the Kamara thing, I don't know. It, it sounds like it's got to be a pretty significant injury if they kept him out of a game like last week's. And um, yeah, if he's if he's still limited with bad ribs, that doesn't sound like the easiest thing to play through. So. Um, with that said, I, I could imagine if he plays in this game, I could imagine him getting, you know, like two touchdowns on uh, for every like seven or eight touches from scrimmage. I just don't know if I expect him to like be uh, the amazing Alvin Kamara that we've seen in the past. Yeah, I think that that's definitely fair. Um, you know, as, as a someone who has very little shit, he was one of the stranger guys to to get shares of this offseason because if you were then you were you know making the bet that he wasn't get suspe- going to get suspended it's like okay great like he's he's not so that that should pay off but now dealing with that rib injury already missed a game you know you almost hope that maybe he just misses one more and like you know is back closer to 100 yeah. percent next time around instead of like aggravating an injury that uh you know but a lot of football players say him. like there, there's few things worse than, than a rib injury from like just practical <laughs> life uh uh, perspective, but and they shouldn't need him. Like if they can't beat this Panthers team without Kamara, then they're not they're not doing anything in the wild card round anyway. No, a very good point there. 
Um, quick question here uh, from from Landon: Kareem Hunt or Zeke this week? And that's actually tough because I could imagine Hunt getting a little more work than usual in this game, just because it's a short week and Chubb's gone over about uh, he's at like twenty two touches a game right now. 17 game season it's 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 not nothing it's something for them to think about so uh on the other hand uh, the giants kind of are goofy i actually i think i would go with hunt maybe that's stupid though i don't know is that stupid i think um i think i just like the the steelers run defense i think is definitely bad by the way the giants probably is not good i just don't trust dallas to do anything i don't know Maybe I'm maybe I'm just like overly paranoid about Dallas because I do believe in Zeke. I just I don't know what to make of the rest of that team. Right. It it it's tough. Uh, we have hunted at RB twenty nine this week and Zeke at RB twenty one. So uh, maybe that's a little low on on Hunt uh, given like you know the the potential game setup here. Like you're mentioning, he has just one less snap than Chubb this year. So. Hmm. If he gets a little bit more carries than he usually does in this game, and the Steelers are as busted as they've looked, uh, I just I don't know. Maybe maybe Hunt is the the floor play and Zeke the ceiling or something like that. But I uh, maybe it's stupid. I think I would go with Hunt though. Okay, good framing, good rationale. Let's move on. Uh, another uh, absolute, uh, you know, a lot of lot of eyes nationwide on this one, Texans. Bears in Chicago. Uh, we got the Bears, three-point three favorites. Yes, Lovey coming home. Um, going to be booed vociferously, just as Russell Wilson was in Seattle, I'm, I'm sure. No. Um, but the Bears, I mean, that was that was a bleak game plan that they had on, on Sunday night. I mean, how are you going to let Justin Fields throw it more times in, in a freshwater hurricane than in fine conditions in Green Bay when you're in a catch-up script. Because uh, Ryan Poles is there to tear the pay, tear the whole team apart, sell it for parts, cut payroll. Uh, just, like, just What create, is his deal? Yeah, like what's he's his... He's just bat- a Pinkerton GM. He's there to cut yeah. payroll and, and just uh, create the expectation that no one gets a good contract to... to uh, just turn the bears into a high yield savings account for their owners. It's just that. And uh, there's going to be more and more guys like him. There's a lot of money in being a Pinkerton backstabber and much more in other jobs are, are dwindling every day as you see. So um, anyway, it makes, there's no, there's no trying to win a reason for running the bears offense the way they did last week. So uh, I don't know. I don't think they're a real team. I think they have some talent. I do like Fields. I, I still think Fields is good or, or can be very good in any case, uh, pending some certain you know outcomes that that we're waiting on. I can't pick the Bears to win this game though. I'm just I just don't sincerely believe they're trying to win as much as as the Texans are. And um, I don't know. Uh, I do like David Montgomery and I think Darnell Mooney has like, even if the bears are trying to sabotage Mooney and Cole commit, I think they both finally do something in this game. Uh, Mooney should be able to run away from Desmond King. Who's, who's more of like a cover two kind of outside corner in a, in a slowish slot. So I think there's some ways for fields to get going. I just, I can't see them doing anything that 
the other side can't match with a guy like Brandon Cooks and mediocre as it's been I feel like the, the Houston running game should get some footing if if the score stays within range and it seems like it almost has to so uh, I don't this is not one of those games where you expect anyone to truly win it's like maybe one loses a little faster than the other and I don't know who's going to be that one I I got the Bears just because they're at home but I mean, yeah, all your yeah. all your points stand. Those corners um, are good. Those two outside, or I, I don't know, maybe Kyler's. Jalen Johnson is good, and it's apparently yeah. Eddie Jackson every three years gets uh, ten interceptions. Either has ten interceptions or zero, and we might be on uh, whatever you know cicada timeline he is, where he has one of his big interception seasons. I um. I was so out on Eddie Jackson as as a prospect because, like, he you know he made all those big plays at Alabama, and then it was starting to look good for me in in that take. And then obviously all of a sudden he's making all these plays on Sundays and it's like, Oh boy, maybe I was, I was dead wrong on that one, but perhaps not. Um, You were right. And everybody about Eddie Jackson was very right and very wrong. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Schrodinger's defensive back. Um, But uh, move it. Or uh, I guess last thing to last two things to touch on uh, a couple of young players on the Texans. Damian Pierce, you alluded to him that the things kind of swung in the in the sensible direction last week after Rex Burkhead had way too much work in, in week one. You know, Damian Pierce kind of took over the, the backfield work second half against Denver. And then Nico Collins, uh, you know, he had a bunch of targets last week, didn't really turn out in, into a ton of production necessarily. But, um, you know, is is Kyler Gordon a weak enough link in that uh, bear secondary to where, you know, may, maybe this is a good spot for Collins? Uh, maybe maybe more like for DFS than you're starting him in season long. And then Pierce, you know, is this someone that you feel comfortable starting in your flex? Uh, it wouldn't be the kind of comfort where I get my hopes up exactly. But if you got to start Pierce in a flex spot, you can kind of at least take comfort in knowing a lot of people in your league are in a worse spot, even if you're not that thrilled about it. So I see no reason why he shouldn't get going a little bit. I just, I don't know why it's been this difficult in the first place. For like the, I just expected them to do a little better on offense in that last game than they did. But uh, yeah, it, sh- it should be a setting for Pierce to get going. I, I can't really think of why it wouldn't, aside from, I guess, like Justin Fields just going crazy and putting up 14 points in the first quarter or something. It, otherwise, anything less than that, it's like Pierce should get to 15 carries. Yeah, I, I, I like the projection uh, here when, when it comes to Pierce. Uh, let's move on over next game uh, for then. Uh, Adam's got a question. Drop one of these three. Uh, Valdez Scantling, Pacheco, or Sky Moore. A lot of Chiefs exposure on that roster. Well, if you have to put any of these guys in a lineup, maybe you keep Valdez Scantling just because he plays a lot of snaps. But I would cut Valdez Scantling because unless you're in a 14-team league or something, I just don't think his production moves the needle to the point where like you want to – like if you're starting Valdez Scantling – someone else is hurt and if no one else is hurt and you can ju- you just have this bench spot that you're not starting anyway Pacheco and Moore are clearly better in my opinion because Moore can scale up if Hardman or Juju gets hurt uh Baldus, by the way I don't think Baldus Scantling can scale up under any circumstances basically so that's that's the the other thing I'm assuming here uh but Pacheco it's obviously as simple as if Clyde Edwards there <laughs> gets hurt which it is a bench spot the by the way Okay, yeah, I would I would keep the rookies then because I think they have an upside scenario even if there's zeros in the meantime. Whereas 
lot of scantlings always like a three and a half no matter what's going on right yeah i think that that's the right way to look at it so i'm, I'm with you there um one trade question from jared should he trade kelsey and gabe davis so this is a this is a potential blockbuster for I wouldn't do Brandon Ayuk, tyree killer and kyle pitts uh man i don't know the, the hill part is definitely tempting but if Gabe Davis is back, I guess do we know? Does Davis have like a bad thing? I haven't he, seen anything, he an, especially. He had an ankle. I know that Michael Pittman uh, returned to practice. Uh, let me let me look on Gabriel Davis. So either Davis has a normal ankle sprain and he's a good chance to return this week, or he has a high ankle sprain and might be out for up to three more games. Uh, I hadn't I hadn't seen anything toward that question. Uh, I don't know. I, so I'm still high on Gabe Davis in any case. So uh, it is it is an upgrade to go from Davis to Hill. I just don't know if it's worth the – I'm very high on Pitts, and I, I don't take the last two weeks to mean a whole lot. But Mahomes is going to throw for like twice as many touchdowns as the Falcons do. So uh, I do think Kelsey to Pitts is a big drop-off, and I'm high enough on Davis that even with Ayuk in there, I don't – instantly flock toward the hill option but if davis is missing like a month i guess that would change my thinking a bit so D- davis limited uh at a walkthrough uh on on wednesday for for what that's worth but I, i'm probably sticking with like a, again like you said but then the trade might fall apart you know so this might be kind of like an expiring right. offer. and i don't and I, of course if davis misses time then hill and Pitts will outproduce just kelsey it's, it's just kind of hard. I don't know. It, I guess <laughs> I, really, I wouldn't be against making it. I should say it's like, I just personally wouldn't, I don't think it would be wrong to take it. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Let's get on over. Speaking of Tyree kill, speaking of Gabe Davis, we got dolphins bills in my estimation, probably the best game of this weekend. Yeah. Dolphins coming off that, that amazing uh, game. Uh, against Baltimore this past weekend, and, and Buffalo continues to to make statements. This is their first Sunday game uh, of the year after you know a Thursday and a Monday nighter uh, to to start the season. But they obviously just eviscerated both the Rams and the Titans. Uh, is that two number one seeds that they took down? Or no, I think the 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 Rams played on on Wild Card Weekend last year. But either way, they, they obviously ended up winning the Super Bowl. Um, but yeah, the Bills. I mean, their Super Bowl odds are like down to like plus four fifty from like ah! plus like excuse or bless you um like plus seven hundred coming into the season. So the Bills just kind of tightening that that vice grip. They look like the the absolute team to beat. But I feel like the Dolphins are equipped to kind of punch back when you because the Bills are going to hit their big shots in this game. Like there there's going to be a long touchdown to somebody, and I, I think whereas the Titans and and the Rams even to an extent got rattled I don't think that the Dolphins are of that mentality I think that they know that they have and maybe you know last week that is something that's you know too much of a recency bias call on this one but that you know with them turning the page over new new coaching staff you got Tyreek Hill in the building now they I feel like they should they can't be scared whenever the Bills kind of do the thing that that scares seemingly everyone else so um, I like the Dolphins to make this one competitive. I don't know if they have the firepower to make it last for all 60 minutes this time around. So the, the six and a half number is pretty interesting. 
but I, I think they give them uh, the bills, you know, one of their toughest tests of the entire season you know, Miami early in the year. Yeah, it's, uh, it's tough for me to think this through because I really don't know what to think about the dolphins. Like, like Daniel seems like he's doing a pretty good job. And if he's, if he's decent as a coach, that's uh, not that I'm saying like Flores was bad exactly, but if McDaniels is decent as a coach, it would specifically show up in the offense. And that has been awful for the Dolphins forever. So, yeah, the Bills defense is better this year, specifically in the, the front four. Like Von Miller be, being there, Rousseau being a, a year older. Those two are huge rep improvements over what they were putting out last year. And Jordan Phillips, too, I guess, is, is a pretty big deal. With, with all the help that he has. So the Bills defense is definitely better, but I don't know if I believe the Bills offense is as good as it seemed. Like they've, they've had in each the, the Rams game and the Titans game, they've had some kind of just really crucial fatal uh, flaw to exploit in both defenses. Namely, neither of them had any cornerback depth and you get Stefan Diggs over and over against this Avery corner who I've never heard of. I don't remember his name. Uh, we probably won't see him in the league in a year. Like that kind of stuff, it, it's at once part of the Bills dictating matchups, and it's also part of just these teams aren't ready to play them. Mm-hmm. And the Dolphins, may, maybe they won't be any better prepared either, but they're not going to have Stephon Diggs on any Avery equivalent. Like they're going to have either some kind of bracket on him or they're going to have Xavier Howard on him. And Diggs can beat anybody including Howard but it's we've seen some very t-ball kind of setups for the Bills offense so far and you know Josh Allen has had tears in the past that tend to go into cold spells for for a game if 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 only that so people think Allen can't fail I think he can Uh, I think he will be always the kind of guy who has an off game once in a while every almost every player does I'm just meaning to say people think now that he is not he, like he's basically the best player ever. A lot of people think and <laughs> a Mahomes is still the better quarterback. And I, I would say Herbert is too. B, if the Dolphins are competitive, if the Dolphins can hold up against that pass rush, that's my main concern is like, can, can Armstead and uh, Jackson's backup, Austin Jackson's backup, whoever that is, can they manage Von Miller and Greg Rousseau? Because if they can, then Kair Elam is the only Bills corner who can vaguely run with Waddle and Tyreek Hill. And even he, I mean, you know, he's fast, but you you need to be like a 4-2 territory kind of runner to keep stride with Waddle and Hill. So I do think that the Bills secondary can be beaten by receivers like these. You want to take this defense vertical because they're playing zone coverage and they're banking on their pass rush and getting to the quarterback before some of these receivers get open. If the receivers are this fast, then if they can get toward the end of the corner zone and guys like Poyer and Hyde have to turn and run, that doesn't suit Poyer or Hyde. They are not fast safeties. They're they're small and quick. So if they have to turn and run, which hasn't happened this year yet, they might have their first challenge of the year. And sometimes when you're not when you haven't seen a new look, especially it's like they haven't seen McDaniel's call as an offense. They haven't seen Hill and Waddle on the field at the same time this might be a, a good spot for the Dolphins to kind of trap them in a way that, you know, they, they may win this game, but not the next four against the bills. 
So mm-hmm. that's it's just stuff like that that I think makes this a little closer than people might think it. But then again, on the other hand, too, you might have like the uh, what would you call it? The uh, like the excitement hangover of the previous week, you know, the big comeback, the the emotional win over the Ravens. Like maybe that maybe that leaves the Dolphins a little drained. But I don't know, maybe it maybe it galvanized them instead. Right. I, I, I tend to, to lead with, with the ladder uh, or lean lean on the ladder there. And, you know, I, I do think that the Dolphins uh, hang on, make this one competitive. I don't think they win outright, but I, I think they lose by by closer to a field goal. So I like them to cover in, in what what should be and hopefully will be, you know, a pretty high scoring game. Josh Allen is not better than Herbert. Sorry, Sammy. It's just <laughs> not the case. Fair, fair. Um, let's see here. Um Next up, or before before next up, uh, we got a message from our friends over at MKF, also known as Monkey Knife Fight. Football is officially back on Monkey Knife Fight with all the NFL action you're looking for. And if college football is more your speed, they've got plenty of that too. On Monkey Knife Fight, there's no sharks, no salary caps, no math. I like that part. Uh, it's just easy to play, easy to win, daily fantasy player props. Join now at monkeyknifefight.com and you'll get your first game free. Then use promo code RWNFL to get your first deposit matched instantly up to $100. So what are you waiting for? Join Monkey Knife Fight today. Uh, And speaking of Monkey Knife Fight College, I am on the Monkey Knife Fight College Football Show. Check that out. We run that on Fridays. So uh, if you're you're in on getting some Saturday action rolling, uh, we we got that. I think Tennessee versus Florida is going to be a big uh, part of that show, but we got plenty more as well. Wake Forest, Clemson, uh, going in that in that show too. Um, let's go Lions, Vikings. Vikings obviously just got pantsed basically by by the Eagles on Monday night. Uh, you know, a couple of I love a, a Monday night football doubleheader, but uh, but neither of those games were particularly uh, entertaining. I hated that so it, much. Yeah. <laughs> the synergy thing is like. Anyway, hopefully that that was just a stupid idea they'd never do again. It, yeah, I mean, like in the past when they've done the double headers, it, it's been like okay, one ends or is ending, and then the other one is starting. That the, the overlap was They're different was channels a lot. at least. Like this thing where it's like you have to watch both at the same time, but when you try to switch channels, you just end up getting like a replay of what you just watched on the previous. Terrible. <laughs> yeah, it was is goofy to to say the least. Um, but. The Vikings, obviously, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I really take away too, too much for, from that game for, for them. I think the Eagles are just, maybe they're just really good. And the Vikings, Kirk Cousins, notably terrible uh, in prime Eagles time. Eagles are really line. good. That's yes. my favorite Super Bowl bet for the odds right now. Yes, liking that, liking that a lot. Uh, we'll, we'll get to them in a bit. They're, they're going on the road to face the Commanders this week. But uh, when it comes down to, to this game, Lions, Scored 35 points or more in each of their first two games. Amon Ross St. Brown looking great so far. DeAndre Swift looking good. Uh, this offense just in general, solid. The, the defense, you know, they, they've surrendered some some points in, in their own right. But, you know, Washington's got a lot of talent on offense, and obviously uh, as does Philadelphia. So what are your thoughts on this matchup with, with Minnesota being nearly a touchdown favorite? I don't like Minnesota to win by that much. Uh, maybe maybe I'm missing something. Maybe I'm just too big of a Campbell fan. Definitely possible. But I, I definitely think the Lions make this kind of a 
down to the last drive kind of game. And maybe they don't, maybe they don't ever put the fear of God into the Vikings, but I, I think they make the Vikings play to the end at the very least. So I, I think if Goff can keep his deal together and it's hard for me to imagine why he would screw up so bad. I mean, the, the Vikings corners are not very good. No, yes, Danzler's okay or whatever. I, I thought Booth was going to be a really good NFL corner, but apparently they won't let him even be active. So I, I think, I think with uh, DJ Chark and Amon Ra, and even not to not to just act like Hawkinson isn't real or that Swift doesn't do anything as a pass catcher. Like there's a, there's a lot of ways the Vikings can make Goff look pretty decent. Like if if Daniel Hunter and Zadarius Smith don't just take him down in under two seconds. I don't know how that defense covers all those guys at once successfully. Right, and so. that, that's where like the the Lions' offensive line like is, is a factor here because it's really really good. Yeah, so I'm I'm maybe too high on the Lions, but I think they make it close. I, I think their defense, although Hutchinson stepped up last week, and and if he can keep that up, that would be a big difference from last year. Like last year, it's like their best the best pass rusher was Aquara who like tore his Achilles or something early in the year. I feel like if, uh, maybe I'm remembering wrong, but uh, that defense can be bad and still have like a much better pass rush than last year. So cousins can't just like mail it in and still get a good game here, but those corners can't deal with Jefferson or Thielen or maybe even Osborne. So it, unless Hutchinson just goes like total Derek Thomas on him. I, I don't see what excuse Kirk cousins has for throwing for anything less than like two forty and two touchdowns in this one. Yeah. Obviously like, like a, a Justin Jefferson uh, bounce back in this game as well. Uh, let's keep things going. We got Bengals jets. This game uh, killed a lot of survivors last year. Uh, my, myself, included the Mike White game. Everyone knows it. Everyone loves it. Everyone remembers that one. That was uh, truly one of the goofier NFL outcomes that, that Nothing I will can, ever be that I good remember. again. No, I don't think so. Um, we get another non Zach Wilson Jets team facing off against uh, the, the Bengals. I think the Bengals get right in this spot. I, I think that, you know, the, I don't know, man. okay. So all right. Screwed up. I don't, sorry. You're, you're right. They should. It's, this is I always have trouble thinking through some of these things where it's like the, <laughs> the Bengals are getting just killed like they they're terrible and mm-hmm. it's the problem is Zach Taylor like he's such a bad play caller he Zach Taylor is kind of like the the simulation of what would happen if Cliff Kingsbury uh grew up with like what what was it where where was Taylor he was I can't remember who Taylor came. I guess it was a McVe- he was under McVeigh at some distant point or something like that, or like uh, Gruden. I don't. I can't remember exactly, but he he came up with whatever he did, whatever playbook he had, wherever he was before, and he's just been kind of carrying it with him and mashing buttons. And he doesn't mm-hmm. he doesn't have any insights as a coach. He hasn't he hasn't adapted the scheme himself. He hasn't improved it or added anything to it. He's just carrying the same play- playbook for the past ten years, and he gets up there <clears throat> and he's like. I hope this works. Click, click. And sometimes it did last. It often did last year because Burrow, Jamar Chase, and T. Higgins are very good. And Tyler Boyd, I think, is really good. Mixon, of course, was doing a good job, too. But the point is, with personnel like that, especially at receiver, you can even Cliff Kingsbury might not be able to screw that up. And last year was was kind of like, this is how much Taylor is capable of getting out of the way. Now, there's he, his tendencies have been figured out. And he hasn't changed anything yet. 
we've never seen him make an adjustment in his coaching career. Like he, he just doesn't do anything at best. He is a useless coach. So unfortunately he's, he's kind of getting in the way now in a way that preempts the talent that carried him last year. Like we're seeing chase Higgins burrow fail, even though no one can cover them. And it's because the, the, I have to believe it's because he's just tipping off the pass really badly. It's like, you see defense is just clobbering that offensive line. Just uh, granted, Playing against T.J. Watt, Cam Hayward, and then Micah Parsons is a good way to make an offensive line liability look even worse than it is. Right. But it's like Quinn and Williams is no joke. Like there's not bums exactly in this defense. So I don't know. And in the meantime, the the Jets' offense is just so aggressive that they kind of like wear defenses out over the course of the game by running so up tempo. And, and just throwing the ball, making guys chase these receivers all over the field over and over and over, you know, 75 times a game of that. And they're just gassed at the end. And I don't know if the Bengals have the depth to deal with that. I mean, they, the Bengals need their pass rush to win this game. They need Trey Hendrickson to make Flacco, uh, you know, toss up a couple gems and I'm, I'm scare, scare quote gems in this case, the, the mm. Flacco gem, you might call it. You need those plays to pop up because I I don't think if the Bengals need Taylor to intervene, they're just toast. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to argue uh, with with what you're saying there, but I I think the the key for me and, you know, what's been the big problem for for the Bengals the first couple of weeks of the season is just how bad the offensive line has been. You know, Joe or I'm sorry, uh, Joe Burrow basically on the or David Carr. Uh, trajectory as far as uh, sack totals for for this year is concerned, so that that needs to get fixed, of course. And you know, you you mentioned that the the Jets aren't you know total slappies when it when it comes to the de- the defensive side of the ball, but I, I do think that they are several notches below what what Pittsburgh and what yeah. uh, Dallas was throwing at them. So with that in mind, if I just think that Joe Burrow gets enough time to operate in this one, and and they. They're able to to kind of get back on track. I, I do have long term concerns for this Bengals team, but I, I think that they are also not an zero and three type of team. So I, I will take them to to win this one and to cover. I don't, I don't feel great about it though. I'll take them to win, but not cover. And this could be the DFS game to target because the Jets love to take every game to like eighty five snaps, and that mm-hmm. that's where you want your picks. If so. Yes. Heck yes. Um, let's see. We got a couple of questions here. Uh, Amari Cooper or Curtis Samuel in the flex in a standard scoring? Um, I'd, I'd go with Cooper, I think. But, I, I mean, no hate on Samuel or anything. I just uh, – I don't know. I, I don't know. It, it's hard for me to figure out what the what the Washington offense is going to do – uh, especially since the the Eagles' defense is different than what they've seen, whereas it's it's kind of difficult for me to imagine Jacoby Brissett throwing twenty five passes with less than seven or eight going to Cooper. Right, it, but and you also mentioned, um, you know, the, the wind can be a there. factor. Yeah, crap. Uh, oh man, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't hate the Samuel pick. I I think I would go with Cooper, but I, not because I'm trying to say. Don't pick Samuel. I'm. I. I just go with Cooper myself. Yeah. Okay. All right. That. I mean. That check. He. He's clearly the best option in that. In that Cleveland uh, passing attack. So it, as long as they get to that, you know, magic number, like you said, like twenty-five pass attempts, yeah. which isn't even asking a lot. You. You, you figure really that the Cooper accounts yeah. for 
um, at least a third of those. Um, Raiders, Titans, another couple of teams here looking to avoid uh, dreaded 0-3 starts. Uh, this one, that you know, we got some differences at, at books. Uh, Titans anywhere between a two and a half and one and a half point underdog at home. I think last week, and, and you know, to to a, a, another extent, the the Giants game kind of shows you that the Titans were were right for a, a you know coming back to earth. And I do think that Vrabel's a good coach, but I just think that that roster kind of stinks. Um, they you know, suck. They're terrible. They, like. Obviously, it was a, it was like a nightmare setup for for Derrick Henry last week. I don't think that that applies this time around. So if Derrick Henry gets on track, that that keeps the Titans in this game. But I just I gotta side with the with the Raiders here. Like I, I just think that the the Titans are going to end up being so one dimensional once again to where yes, the, the Derrick Henry battering ram is going to you know see twenty plus touches and and you know that's going to uh, you know the defense isn't going to love that after a certain point. But Tannehill, he can't really do anything right now, especially not with with the the pass catching group around him. And I don't think that the defense is all that special either on on the Tennessee side. So I, I like the Raiders in this spot. The one thing the Raiders need to account for is Jeffrey Simmons. And if they keep him from taking over the game, I feel like they would almost have to try to lose to to, to not win this well, one. They, they, I mean, they've done that, though. <laughs> they have, but the the Titans, they they're run by people who aren't like Vrabel might be a good coach. I don't know. He certainly gets certain results pretty well. Like he gets his guys to play hard for him. He's wily and whatever. He's not scared of pressure situations, but he doesn't have any good players. Their offensive coordinator is just terrible, and it, like they are they were in the decline phase anyway. Like we knew they were going to to deteriorate at some sort of some sort of rate and i think we're just witnessing that it's it's like it's here it's happening we we knew it was going to happen and now now we more got to wonder like how bad is it going to get where are they going to go next and i think uh the sooner they give this malik willis thing a try the better because Tannehill is pitiful to watch when he doesn't have aj brown picking him up and it's it's just going to get this this pass rush could be trouble too i mean like they got they got Chandler Jones, Max Crosby. How 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 well do you think Tannehill is going to do tea, with those two teeing off on him? I I think this could get ugly. Did did I forget? I, I remember Luan got hurt early in that game. Did he come back in? No, he might be out. He might like I I don't know if they ran the MRI yet, but he might be out for like the year. I can't. <sighs> that, I have to check. Get, Sorry, I should check on that. I uh, forgot that's to follow That would be, what, two years in a row now um, that, that something like that happened to him? So, uh, uh, couldn't you know, that... happen to a better guy, et cetera. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, he's not practicing, but the, uh, that he's even on the injury report, I'm pretty sure means that he is not on injured reserve, which is mm-hmm. kind of where you would expect him to go if, they, if it was like a torn ligament or something. Right. Uh, either, either way, you know, that – um, you know, if it, 75% Taylor Luan going up against a, a mix of Crosby and, and Jones uh, doesn't seem like a, a particularly, you know, favorable setup for, for this Titans uh, passing attack. So, yeah, uh, Raiders, once again, I, I do like them here, even though maybe maybe I needed to readjust my overall ceiling thoughts on them. Maybe, I don't know, the Devontae Adams thing, 
should get back back on track this week. Obviously. Yeah, they're fine. Don't worry about him. Um, so it'll it'll work. It'll work. Um, let's see. Uh, Lucius. Uh, he he said that the thumbnail brought him in to to our live stream here. So th- I assume credit to Alan uh, for for that one. Unless uh, you know, it's just our, our wonderful visages uh, on, on the thumbnail. But deciding between Carson Wentz and Russell Wilson. Ugh. Yeah, um, we we have Wentz ranked a little bit higher. We have them both outside of our top twelve. I, I would go Wentz, but it's like even that I'm I'm anxious about. No, I'm going with Wentz because uh, I will say that Gannon, John Gannon, or whatever his name is, he mm-hmm. seemed to call a good game against Kirk Cousins last week. But every other time I have paid close attention to the Eagles' schemes under him, I have it drives me crazy some of the stuff that he does. So I don't know. Like, like maybe maybe Gannon can take care of a Vikings offense, but maybe Washington having the, the pass catcher depth and the speed specifically that they do. The Vikings offense is supposed to be good, but it's not fast. Like Jefferson's the fastest player on it probably, and he's like a four four three guy. So it's a little different when you got Terry, you got Curtis Samuel as a burner, Jahan Dotson's pretty dang fast too. Logan Thomas is fast by tight end standards, et cetera, et cetera. People think Antonio Gibson's probably slow, and even he's like a four three nine guy. So I don't know if like we can trust Slay and Bradbury to play well. They're just that good. But if the Gannon effect comes in, it's going to be in the slot. They're, they might not hide Avante Maddox sufficiently. Um, maybe, maybe Wentz can get something going there. But I am nervous about Wentz. I do think he has some choke in him, and, and the Eagles' defense might just be pretty tough too. To be fair to Wentz, but. Yeah, the the Broncos are just run by the biggest fools in the league. Their their offense doesn't have an identity other than checking down to Javante Williams fourteen times, and I I just think D'Amico Ryan's could really really make Nate Hackett look like a bad coach. Yeah, I, I, so I like Wentz uh, between those two as well, which is just a wild statement. But that I mean yeah, that's I where we are it, but, uh... through through the first couple of weeks. So you know, obviously you're just talking about this Washington offense, uh, our next game so happens to be commanders versus Eagles. Uh, so unpack the Washington side already, your thoughts on, on the Eagles here. You know, they are, uh, let's see here, six and a half, seven point, uh, six and a half point favorites going on the road again. This is a tough week for survivor, but I'm, I'm, I mean, it's obviously not, not a far trip for Philadelphia. I I can imagine a lot of Philly fans in the stands in Washington. So it's not going to feel so much like a road game. It's a pretty quick trip. I I think I'm, I'm on the Eagles and survivor. I'm, I think I'm that sold on them. I like the Eagles a lot. I don't know. I don't want to, I wouldn't, I haven't thought about survivor at all. I, so I, I, it's not like I have a better idea, but I don't think it's a safe game exactly because Basically, uh, Jalen Hurts is the same player that he's always been. He had a really great game against the Vikings because the Vikings just got whooped. Like Shane Steichen just put them in a chokehold the first play and just never let them out. And the Vikings were in hell the whole game. And that's something that could continue, especially against Jack Del Rio. I mean, that that guy probably hasn't worked like 10 hours in the past two years. So (laughs) that's good for the Eagles and good for them sustaining like this surge, this tear that they're kind of on. Um, and Steichen, I, I am positive will always outsmart uh, a coach like Del Rio. But the part that makes me wonder about whether the, uh, whether the, whether uh, Washington can play back is Scott Turner 
has done a pretty good job with that offense this year. And I definitely mm-hmm. expect Scott Turner to outsmart John Gannon. So I, I don't want to say that Hurts uh, fails exactly or anything, but I do think if by just some kind of like fluke or misfortune or whatever, he ends up a little bit more stressed than he's been in these first two weeks, he will start making those really puzzlingly bad throws. It's like he hasn't made them yet because he's smart and he, he's he's reading the field right and he's seeing these leverage points in the defense. And he, he's he's making good uh, decisions, thought processes. But if he's ba- if it, for whatever reason, if he's forced to just sit back, read an ambiguous coverage, if he has to look at a, a secondary that he doesn't know where it's going to go, and if he has a pass rush getting to him at all, he can start making some of those throws where it's like, man, maybe they should put it in Minshew. You know, they got mm. close to that last year. AJ Brown will keep that from happening. I'm pretty sure. But I just mean to say they look like unbeatable right now or, or close. And yeah. that probably won't hold. And, and the ways that it won't hold won't always be easily foreseen. Like every year there's, I mean, every week there's all these games that end in ways that it's like, looking at it beforehand, you're like, no, no way in hell is this going to happen. And it, it kind of just does for, for fluky reasons. So if, if Scott Turner can get the better of Gannon and if Washington's moving the ball decent, then I worry a little bit about an upset uh, just because, you know, we don't want Jalen Hurts to get in a shootout exactly. No, you you don't. That's not where he's at his best. Um, I'm, just, I'm just willing to bet that the Eagles kind of come out continue the way that they've been playing to win yes definitely so but and i like the you know based on what you talked about i think i like the over here it's 47 and a half so i could i could see we don't have any weather or anything it's kind of hard to i mean both teams can kind of spread it out a bit especially washington and then the eagles they they got a lot of big play uh big ways of making big plays so yeah as long as it's not too windy or whatever it's kind of hard to see why they should fail the offenses. I mean, yep, should should be in a good spot. So looking forward to that one on Sunday in the early window. Let's move on to the late window. Uh, Jags Chargers, uh, Chargers seven point favorites in this one. This one used to be uh, ten, uh, and then it came down to nine, I believe, after Herbert was was uh, you know kind of suffered that rib injury last Thursday night, and then it's down to seven. Uh, you know, in light of Jacksonville shutting out Indianapolis, or at least if you're t- uh, trailing how, wh- the timestamps in which the the line is moved, that that kind of checks out. Um, your thoughts on on, on this game? Let, let's let's assume that Herbert plays, but I think we we can also assume that he's not going to be at a hundred percent. Yeah, he sure looked like he was hurting a lot. I mean, that one throw was like scary. It was like, uh oh. Something is yeah, horribly wrong, like, and then he comes right just, back, and it's like, oh my god! That one throw is almost like, is that is that what a torn oblique looks like, or something? And then, yeah, obviously the next throw uh, seemed like he was having trouble throwing to the right, though, and I, I wonder what that means. Like, why would he be able to just do a railgun throw to the left, but to the right he's you know drops it like he's a kitten or something? It just <laughs> kind of kind of jarring contrast that I've never seen before. Don't know right. what it means. Uh, I don't know, man. It's it's tough for me to trust Staley all that much, even though I also don't trust this uh, uh, Jaguars defense. Like I know they they throttled the Colts, but the Colts suck. So. What does that mean? Yeah, yeah. They got they, the Jaguars got lit up by Washington the week before that. So maybe j- the Jags are are therefore like an average defense if we're cutting the di- difference. But I I don't I'm not so sure that that's how it works either. 
I, I love the, the the Jaguars' offense. I think uh, they, they got a lot of stuff going well for them. The more they get Etienne on the field instead of Marvin Jones, the better. Uh, I know that's not super realistic, but Marvin Jones is the only thing holding them back, and he, he's the reason they're playing 10 on 11. Uh, if they were playing 11 on 11, I would really like their chances of covering here, even going to the West Coast. But uh, I don't know, man. It's 70, 75% Herbert or like 65% Herbert plus good uh, pain-killing drugs, I think is enough <laughs> to probably... Seven points does feel a little bit like a lot, but also Trevor's probably going to turn it over once or twice at least. So Eckler's, Eckler's due. You know, got got these inexperienced Jaguars linebackers. Maybe Eckler gets going and kind of carries them or something. Yeah, so I, I do like... I do like the Chargers this week. Um, Might get back Keenan, right? He's, he's in practice. I believe so. so um, yeah, that he, would be he, big. Um, limited practice uh, says he might play as of yesterday. Okay. That would be big. He might be going if he is active. He might be the primary matchup for Darius Williams, who's like a, a pretty good player, but he's also like five nine, one eighty five or something. Keenan's like six two, two twenty. Yeah, so he just physically went. You know, he's just going to run the route. Herbert delivers, chains move, at, you know, rinse, repeat uh, as yeah. far as that goes. And I, I do like Eckler in the spot, um, like you mentioned. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Trey wants to know full PPR flex option between Kareem Hunt, Allen Robinson, Travis Etienne, yeah. or Devontae Smith. So good good group of options there. But, um, you know, that, yeah. that makes for a difficult, difficult choice. Yeah, man. Uh, I think I lean... I don't know. <laughs> um, I really like Allen Robinson's chances of getting going. I don't think the Cardinals are a real team. And I think that the Rams are, they, they they're inclined to kind of like have a, have a really good game against a divisional opponent. So they can almost like convince themselves that they are who they, they want to be, you know? So I can mm-hmm. imagine cup and Allen Robinson both going off in this game. I might call, Oh man, I, I guess what I'll say is, I think Robinson and, and Hunt are your kind of like safer options and ETN, the upside one. It's just with ETN, the deal that, that, that it's always going to be, or at least for the foreseeable future is we need him to get like six and a half yards of carry and that touchdown or two, which I really liked the chances of happening. Um, like these chargers inside linebackers, I don't think want to deal with him and Derwin's probably got to worry more about like Christian Kirk or something. So ETN can get loose but it's more of a coin flip. Whereas with Hunt and Robinson, I think you can kind of just bank on something. Yeah. I I like the way uh, that you framed that one. Uh, Let's keep going here. Uh, Bucks, Packers, uh, Bucks, one point favorites to one and a half point favorites, depending on where you're looking. This game's ugly, man. I mean, the the total has dropped a full touchdown. Uh, It was 48 (laughs) last week. What was that one game last week where the spread dropped like ten and a half points, or the the over under dropped like ten and a half points? I think it must have been bang, bang, Bengals Cowboys, maybe. Um, no, it was something with an something else. But I anyway, I'd, uh, sorry, I shouldn't have brought up such a stupid question. But in I this case, have, I, uh, I I feel like this should have dropped to from like forty seven and a half to like thirty six and a half or something. Uh, I think I I still am on the under. Both offensive lines are screwed up. Both receiver groups are screwed up. 
I guess I guess the way the Packers can get going in this game is that Akeem Hicks looks like he's out for the Buccaneers, so they're just they're just lit up everywhere. Um, but the quarterbacks, I think, are not going to do anything in this game. Like I, I think whatever happens has to happen on the ground, and it's like Tampa's got the Vita Vey response to that. Maybe uh, Hicks being out makes makes that a little different, but I feel like you got to run. And just like not turn the ball over in this game. And I think both teams know that, which might kind of encourage passive play calling or at least, you know, like lower tempo than it could be shorter pass depths than it might otherwise be less pass attempt volume, all of those things at once. So I I don't know how either side gets any leverage on each other. It might be like kind of watching like a boring wrestling match or something where it's just like two guys just like grabbing each other and twisting around to no obvious effect or outcome for like however long wrestling matches last. Um, and then a field goal at the end, basically. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, I yeah. hate this game. I don't know. If, I don't want to watch it. It's going to be, unless Tom, I don't know. Tom, I, I was surprised. Tom looking like a weak little kitten is, is not as uh, exciting as I thought it would be. It's like, I'm like, man, this is almost, now it does seem like elder abuse. So I don't know. I, it, I can I can stomach it for, You're, for you'll be okay with it. I yeah, guess. yeah. I'm <laughs> I'm uh, I'm surprised how much I'm I'm worried about Tom, but um, I guess I shouldn't be. No, I, I just let let it happen. Um, but let, let's see here. Um, Q Cole uh mentions his squad here. He's got Wentz, AJ Brown, Mike Evans, Dalvin Cook, McCaffrey, Kittle. Obviously missed a couple games. Mike Evans is going to miss this one. He's got Garrett Wilson, zero and two. But I think that's a that's a fine fine core on on paper i think that you know no, no yeah, need to like, you're hurt by panic trade. In a slow start by dalvin but i mean it, it, it's one thing to panic if there's anything to be done i think you just need to hope your luck improves yeah and i i, I think it will uh maybe i'm wish casting a little bit as, as someone that has a little bit of kittle but hopefully it, get, it gets working here uh abraham wants to know should i trade aaron jones and dj Moore for mccaffrey in ppr i would not um, I wouldn't, no, no, I, I, I just really like the Aaron Jones and, you know, I think this is, this is a week that will kind of underscore, you know, what you're saying about this Packers offense running the ball a little bit more. We saw it on Sunday night and it looked really good. I thought they had some creative looking, uh, run schemes, run game going up against the bears, no Akeem Hicks for, for, for the bucks. I, I, things look good for, for Aaron Jones. Uh, I wish I had more of him, in fact, and uh, I wish I had less uh, of the Panthers offense in general. Um, OK, we got a couple more to get to here uh, before we sign off. We got Rams Cardinals. Um, you, you mentioned the the Rams side of this with Allen Robinson. Anything to, to see any sleepers or touch on the the uh, the Cardinals backfield and then we'll, we'll keep it rolling. Uh, I don't know. I mean, Connor doesn't seem like he's looking so good. Daryl Williams had uh, the seven carries or whatever last week after not really playing the prior and, you know, Benjamin ran ahead of him the prior week. Benjamin got more of the camp hype. Uh, there was those late training camp reports about how they were trying to trade Daryl Williams or something. I don't know if they know what they're doing. They might be kind of winging it. And Daryl Williams is not normally going to get returns like he did last week. He's just a fullback. Uh, like I, I literally believe Xander Horvath is a more dangerous runner than Daryl Williams. And the more usage he gets, the lower that yards per snap or the yards per touch is going to get. But 
Daryl Williams probably would be their goal line guy if they get a goal line setup. So I worry about Daryl Williams clearing so much as 15 yards as a runner. But if there's a goal line touchdown to be had, he has to be the heavy favorite to get it. So it's like it might make sense for somebody to start him. I just think you got to you got to worry about the Rams scoring pretty easily in this game. And then maybe you have to worry a little bit about Eno Benjamin going on the field for more of the targets and maybe Daryl stays on for more of the blitz pickup kind of stuff. Yeah, that that would be an issue. I'm I'm seriously having to consider starting Daryl Williams in a in the pentathlon, but that's, you know, a, a super flex league with 12 teams sharp. Um it's that's a, a tricky one, but might 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 have to do it. Uh we'll we'll see. We'll see. But yeah, I I, I can I'm concerned can do about worse. the Rams pulling away there. Um let's go Falcons Seahawks. Falcons stayed on the West Coast this week, so you don't have to worry as much about the body clock thing. Uh, this time around, they, they obviously kind of had the backdoor cover against the Rams this past week. Not that it was a, uh, or they had a lot of cushion to get there as 10 and a half points, um, but they were down 28 to three at one point. Notable uh, score for Falcons fans. Anywho, uh, your thoughts on them going into Seattle? I think Seattle, I thought la- last week wasn't quite, you know, like what we can totally expect from Seattle moving forward. Like, I, I don't think that they're a zero points on offense t- team, especially not not against the Falcons. But I do think that it, it it proved that that Monday night game against Denver was kind of a one off. And, and I think that the, uh, it, last week a little bit well, more. I mean, Denver of, kind of sucks. But oh, for I mean, sure. the 49ers, 49ers defense is the best in the league, in my opinion. So it's like, yeah, the, we knew the Seahawks weren't truly good anyway and if you're anything less than good the 49ers can just wreck you like that so especially if you don't have a quarterback if you if you're dependent on the run against the 49ers you're just dead right there so uh that was that was one that the Seahawks couldn't win whereas I think this one I'm not gonna say they can't lose it's far from that but they they will do better and I I think Rashad Penny gets going a little bit here. I don't think it's – I think Pete Carroll wanted to get him the ball more than this and maybe just thought the playing – like the time of possession would go differently than it has. And I think they under, they're they sitting here one and one, kind of feeling like they got away with that one win that they have and maybe wondering, like, how do we get back to where we were at the end of last year? Oh, right, Rashad Penny was getting 20 carries a game. So I think uh, they either – they at least try to get him there in this one. I don't know what will happen. Um, the Falcons side, I also don't know what will happen. I feel like they're kind of a wild card no matter who they're playing. Um, those Seattle corners are weird, but I don't think they're bad. And like mm-hmm. Mike Jackson and Tyreek Woolen, it's like huge fast guys. You could do worse than that. And, and London looks awesome, but he's he's still a 21-year-old rookie. So there might be some bumps. Uh, Kyle Pitts, I think, does get going here. And uh, – I don't. I don't know if. I don't know if uh, it's pretty or whatever for the for the Falcons, especially uh, overall. But I, I do think Pitts and Penny do a lot more in this game than the prior two. Okay. All right. So good. Good looking out there. Obviously, a lot of fantasy intrigue on on those two guys. I, I have a weird feeling that the Falcons win this game, but uh, you know, I wouldn't wouldn't necessarily like tail me on that one or take that as gospel. Jaws has been uh, patiently waiting for his question. And that pertains to uh, the Niners game that we are go- going to get to right now. So uh, your thoughts on this Niners backfield after 
uh, Marlon Mack was elevated uh, up onto the active roster there in San Francisco. Yeah, uh, I never was very high on Marlon Mack, but I mean, I still would be, I guess, surprised if he's truly worse than Jeff Wilson and uh, even Jordan Mason, who I like Jordan Mason safely more than Tyrion Davis Price, but that's just because I don't I don't know if I've ever seen a worse running back. Uh, Chris Henry, Arizona, was the only running back worse as a prospect than Tyrion Davis Price to ever be drafted in day two, is what I believe. So I can like Mason more and still not think Mason is very good, and I guess that's where I'm at. So I have no idea how we're gonna guess who comes out ahead on what basis ever there, but. It, it, it's probably the best spot in the league Mac could be in right now. Well, um, so do we think he sees a role right away? Not really, but a, a way better chance than anywhere else. And, you know, can't write him off. Okay. All right. So at least, you know, he, There's I think he's worked like a, like a spec, you know? a spec ad, you know, that, that type of thing. Yeah. You could do a lot worse <laughs> picking him. I mean, I'm sure I've got a team somewhere where I'd be better off having Mac than somebody I do on the bench. Yeah. No, I definitely uh, feel you there. Um, and then you're, you're just kind of overarching thoughts on this game. We've, we've kind of intersp- <clears throat> interspersed, sorry, um, our Nathaniel Hackett skepticism throughout these, these first couple of pods and throughout today's pod. But, um, just kind of feeling like the, the Niners go in and get the win here? Uh, I would hope so. I, I think, um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to keep like a fair recognition of the mile high factor. Like maybe something weird happens with the 49ers going there, but man, I, even if, even if every one of the 11 starting 49ers def- defenders is getting like leg cramps in the second quarter, I still think they win because it, it really is as bad as it sounds with Hackett. And we do see even the biggest goofs of all time, like Matt Patricia, sometimes win games they shouldn't. And that could definitely happen here. But I think the 49ers are too urgent, uh, having lost week one. And, and they're going to basically, you know, empty the clip if they have to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I I like the Niners uh, in this spot, even with the potential uh, goofiness. Yeah, I I want to say 49ers like 45 to nothing. I I just it, when I start to let myself get worked up that way, I'm like, wait, maybe you maybe you're getting a little hysterical or something. <laughs> Ran it in. Um Will wants to know uh Sutton or Dotson. I think um I, lo- I love Jahan Dotson. I'd, I'd, I'd find a way to start him, but Sutton I'm I'm starting comfortably ahead. Sutton's going to get like 14 targets for 66 yards and a garbage time touchdown. I, I will take that, especially in PPR. Um, <laughs> and then uh, Nick wants to know, um, Wilson or or Lawrence worth dropping to start golf this week? Uh, sorry, is that Zach Wilson? Uh, I'm thinking Russ. Oh, no. Uh, man, I look, I hate that team so much, but um, I wouldn't drop Russell Wilson. Like he's no, he's it'll, not it'll bad start enough to work to be, out. Yeah, he's not bad enough to be truly bad, especially when they get some easier matchups. Yeah, um, and then uh, rounding it out here, we got the Monday night game: Giants versus Cowboys. I don't know why we keep getting cursed by having to see this on national TV at least once a year, but it's not even. Here we are. There's no Jason Garrett, so it's not funny. It's just yeah, it's just a bummer. Their shenanigans um, are weird and. Tra- tragic and sad, which makes them not really shenanigans at all. 
I guess we might see uh, Mike McCarthy just having a big fit about Kellen Moore or whatever. So maybe they can have a sideline meltdown. Um, I definitely expect Dable to outcoach the Cowboys pretty easily, but the Giants are also kind of the Giants are almost doing what Ryan Poles is doing, but they are actually trying to win. Like they're they're trying to like blow up the roster, but also like Dable's got them out there competing hard and whatever else. So I'll take the Giants. Um, just because I, I don't know, it, it, it's a dreary thing. And, and Micah Parsons can take over games, but if he doesn't, I don't know who wins that for them. And, you know, at least on, on the Giants side, it seems like they have an offensive line that can at least slow down. Uh, that could be the next, like the way Detroit ascended so quickly in a way that people didn't expect. I think it mostly has to do with that offensive line and the Giants are working toward that same thing. Yeah, no, I mean, they've invested a ton of draft capital in, in those guys. I'm, I'm glad to see Andrew Thomas starting to crack you know, shot. Three, two, two is formally predicting that the Broncos will win. So he, write that down for him. OK, yeah. All right. Got I'll that. that. Yeah. Um, and then there, there I think there is another uh, crack shot about um, we said about, Rex Burkhead was RB one. Everyone. Yeah, that's what we said. Oh, yeah, whoops. totally. Yeah, oh, good. No. good. Go back into the into the archives. I'm sure that we were really vehement uh, Rex Burkhead guys in, in the I year of our Lord, 2022. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, it's tattooed on you. Um, but that's going to do it uh, for us here on this edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Make sure you tune in on Friday. We got Ryan Belanger and Scott Jenstad breaking down the DFS. I listen to them every week, and they make me from a bad NFL DFS player to a min-cash NFL DFS player. So elevate your game, listen to those guys, and then, of course, listen to, to myself and Nick Whalen. We do an NFL betting podcast here on the Rotowire Network uh, presented by BetMGM. Uh, that comes out on Fridays as well. But for Mario Puig, I'm John McKechnie. Thanks for listening. Try Rotowire today, free for 10 days. Get our premium tools, rankings, analysis, and breaking news alerts. No credit card required. Go to rotowire.com forward slash try. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.